you should walk into that sleep environment and feel calmer. It should be relaxing. And we know that clutter on any level is not relaxing whatsoever. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Setting your intentions to get regular quality sleep takes some work. From changing lifestyle habits to being mindful of your sleep hygiene, there are a lot of factors to consider in the quest to get better rest, including creating a tranquil space to slip into deep, restorative sleep. However, the bedroom tends to be a catch-all for the day, including discarded clothes, bags, shoes, accessories, a workspace, and more. Can all of this clutter disrupt your sleep? Probably not, but it can disrupt your peace of mind. This is where Terry Crail, sleep expert and representative of the Better Sleep Council comes in. Today, Terry answers the questions, does a messy, disorganized bedroom actually affect one's sleep? What are some other tips for tidying your sleep rituals? What is sleep hygiene? And if someone is overwhelmed with all the advice that she gives, what's one thing they can start doing tonight to tidy their sleep habits? Terry's goal is to share clever hacks for decluttering your bedroom and reclaiming your zone of relaxation to sleep soundly. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. My pleasure, Diane. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk about sleep. Me too. Me too. Well, before we get there, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and we'll start our conversation. All right. I am a registered nurse and I sort of fell into sleep medicine by accident quite a long time ago and have been captivated by the topic ever since. There's a lot of new exciting research about sleep. I think it's amazing how much it impacts our lives, the quality of our lives, everything from our physical health to our mental health. So I'm just trying to get the word out about how important it is and to help people get the sleep they need. Yeah. And you and I were chatting before we jumped on here about how lack of sleep or maybe a messy and disorganized bedroom can actually affect our sleep. So tell me more about that. Yes. I mean, it can be actually caused by a lack of sleep and it can cause us to lose sleep. It's kind of a bi-directional relationship. When we're sleep deprived, we tend to be, you know, I'm sleepy. Okay. A little cranky. Don't feel like doing things, but a lot goes on in our brains, especially our prefrontal cortex. When we're sleep deprived, we're unmotivated, we're irritable, and we tend to have difficulty solving problems. We have difficulty being organized and getting organized. We're more likely to procrastinate. We don't follow through with things. We just can't focus. So you see a lot of that can lead to clutter issues, not sort of staying organized or, or keeping organized, keeping on track, things like that. And then, of course, when we're in a sleep environment that's cluttered and chaotic, it's a distraction. And we might feel it's not affecting us, but believe me, it is. So it really is impacting our sleep and our sleep is impacting how we manage our our lives. So kind of two ways to look at it. I really have to stress how important it is to get sufficient sleep every single night. But one of the first steps, if you're not there yet, 
Let's look at that sleep environment and let's make that the absolute most minimalist. If every room in your house, that should be the one mm. that has no clutter. I mean, don't have baskets of unfolded laundry. Don't have stacks of even unread magazines or unpaid bills or paperwork, things like that. They're visual distractions. When your head hits the pillow, you're going to be thinking about things you need to do. And those are sort of visual cues that remind you of that. So I even say to people, get that stuff out from under the bed too. How many people just kind of shove stuff under the bed and think I'll get to that or I don't even know what's under there anymore or it's old stuff that can be given away. Things like that. Really pay attention to the bedroom and you should walk into that sleep environment and feel calmer. It should be relaxing and we know that clutter on any level is not relaxing whatsoever. Again, get it out of the bedroom. If you need to move it to another part of the house even to go through it or to sort through it or to get rid of it, do that that give a lot of time and attention to the bedroom and every part of it should be relaxing. And I mean, from being decluttered all the way to the paint color on the walls and the color of the bedding, everything should be calming and relaxing because the goal should be to relax at night, not necessarily I'm going to try to fall asleep because that in and of itself can be stressful. But if you want to not have that mind racing when your head hits the pillow, one of the best things you can do is declutter that room. So I totally agree with you. And I think that it's sometimes embarrassing for me because I look at our bedroom and it's sparse. I mean, we haven't Mm -hmm. even decorated the walls at this point. It's more so because I am fickle and I don't like to buy anything that I don't love for that space. But also my husband and I, we just have our bed and Uh there's nothing on it. I probably should do at this point. That's all that's up there besides our closet. And then there is a bookshelf. We have this long room, but all that to say, we have a bed and a desk in our room. And we go up there for like the purpose to sleep. I wanted to play this really fast though. This is Joshua Becker. I don't know if you'll be able to hear this. Our lives have purposes, our homes have purposes, and each room should have a purpose as well. And the bedroom is the perfect example. Your bedroom is there for rest and for intimacy. And anything that has collected in your bedroom that doesn't serve those two purposes tends to just distract from them. That's from Joshua Becker, who is a well-known minimalist. And I think that you and him are speaking the same language. Anything that's in our bedroom that is distracting from those purposes needs to go. Absolutely. Get work out of it. I even tell people, we always recommend it's sort of the end of the work day to-do lists or what I have to do, what I did, you know, to worry about things like that. Those lists, don't bring those into the bedroom. Don't have the exercise equipment that you stopped using and that you're throwing clothes on. I mean, all of those things just really are distracting and, and really kind of stress-inducing. Sleep and stress have a bi-directional relationship too. The less sleep we get, the more stressed out we are. And the littlest things Mm -hmm. can stress us out. One of my favorite quotes, Diane, is sufficient sleep is Kevlar for the mind. It really provides us with resilience. In addition to a lot of things I mentioned earlier in terms of the ability to focus, problem solve, you got to get plenty of sleep to not be stressed out. And again, go right back to the bedroom. And even closets, people say, well, I put everything away in the closet. Close those closet doors at night. What is your line of sight when you're in bed. Things like that. Keep those things in mind. And I love how you describe your bedroom. I mean, that's just ideal. And I know some people working from home now are limited space. They're in small apartments, maybe a studio apartment, one bedroom. If you have to work and you can't remove that work when 
you're getting ready for bed, cover it and put it away somewhere neatly, at least so it's out of sight. That's a real good thing to do. I definitely see the benefit of creating a space that is comfy and cozy that also Mm -hmm. invites me to want to be in that space as well. I mean, our room is definitely, it has room for improvement, but I'd rather it be the way that it is than to be cluttered with a bunch of stuff that we're not using that just fill the space to fill the space. Exactly. And what's interesting, are there some things to fill the space that are conducive to a good night's sleep? Like certain wall hangings are sound absorbing, things like that. And when you think of things for the wall, think of it in those terms. Will it help absorb excess sound or noises at night? Because we really want a quiet environment. Think of the color scheme, what's relaxing. I mean, it took me probably two years to find the perfect light blue lamp on a bedside table, but it's this soft blue. And it kind of, when I look at it, it just makes me feel so good, but it took me forever (laughs) to find it. And again, and how about that bedside table? Mm. Don't have a bunch of junk on there. Just as few items as possible. Some people like to keep a journal and that's perfectly fine. You know, if you wake up in the middle of the night with an idea, I'd rather have you turn on a very soft light and write it down than turn on a phone and try to make a, you know, a digital note, that kind of thing. We want to keep the electronic out to the extent that we're able to or keep them away from us. If you get up in the middle of the night, say to use the restroom, don't pick up the phone to check the time. Next thing you know, we'll be checking in an email. Next thing you know, you'll be on social media. And it's not just the light that's problematic, it's content. Whether we're looking at something about the economy or or politics or just news in general, it can be very alerting. And before you know it, it's an hour to get back to sleep. So we want to keep all of those, anything that would be distracting, the electronics out of our line of sight and out of our reach. So you talk a lot about tidying your sleep rituals. So what is a sleep Mm -hmm. ritual that you have in place? And I guess, how would you encourage people to start their own sleep rituals? I mean, bedtime routines, I think a lot of us are so familiar with how helpful it is for kids. What it does, it really helps. We've looked at this in research a lot for the children, and it helps ensure sufficient sleep every day of the week, which is vital. But it's vital for us too as adults. And that bedtime routine helps us achieve that. And we, just like children, structure and consistency usually help us feel good, secure, comfortable, and it can be relaxing. We like that predictability. Our bodies and our minds love rhythms. And we have these circadian rhythms and body clocks that are just in us. I mean, it's just there. It's during the light, we're wide awake. At night, we're tired. I mean, we have body clocks. So it's important. I think that bedtime routine is so important. It helps us transition our mind and bodies from wake to sleep. It's not a switch. You just can't do that. But if you have a series of steps that you do in the identical order every single night, it really becomes a cue for you to fall asleep, stay asleep, and it really enhances sleep quality. So I tell people it can be from, say, usually 30 minutes to 60 minutes, whatever your lifestyle can afford you. But it should be something pleasant in that routine, something you look forward to, just like you do with kids, love their story time. Adults do too. I've talked to a lot of adults that have, they'd like to read and they've gone from reading with a light on to Mm -hmm. doing an audio book on a timer or an audio podcast or something so they can be in complete darkness, but they're a little distracted. They're relaxed. They're thinking about something else and they fall asleep. So find what's right for you, but do it the same way. That way also, if you're traveling, say you're on a business, conference somewhere, you can try to follow the same steps in the same order and it will help you fall asleep in any environment.
So what is sleep hygiene? What do you mean by that? Basically good sleep habits. Okay. I never want to just give hard and fast rules. I don't want to set anyone up for failure. There are good things to know about sleep. They're try to follow them. If you can't get one or two or you mess something up, don't give up. Just make sleep a top priority. And there are just certain things you can do. Like I said, it starts with the environment. We've discussed the bedroom. The sleep surface is important. I just met a couple. They've had the same mattress for 36 years. And wow. <laughs> very abruptly, they both stopped sleeping well. And then I was like, okay, I get that. Gosh, at least every 10 years, sort of reevaluate your sleep surface. We change. Our bodies change as we age. And a sleep surface that suited us in our teens or 20s may not be comfortable in our early 30s. So reevaluate that sort of the activities before bed. Of course, a lot of people talk about bright lights before bed are not conducive to falling and staying asleep. Of course, that includes electronics, but real life happens. There are amber glasses that can help reduce the blue light if you have to check your email for any reason, of course, do something like that or have it on night mode, your device on a night mode that will reduce the blue light. Sleep is important to think of when it comes to meal times. We don't want large meals right before bedtime for a lot of obvious reasons. We also want to have healthy foods. Healthy foods are interesting. It will help us sleep better. And the better we sleep, the more apt we are to choose healthy foods. Sleep deprivation leaves us craving a lot of fats and sugars to keep us awake during the day. So we have to pay attention to our diet. It's one of those things, what comes first, chicken or the egg, but just work on both simultaneously. And I think cool bedroom and as dark as possible. Oh my gosh. Sleep masks. People say, oh, they're uncomfortable. I say, try it again. There's so many lovely options now with padding and the way it goes around your head in the back. Uh Sleep masks are great. Blackout curtains are fabulous. I noted a huge, huge difference in my sleep when I got those. I'm laughing just because my cousin and I were at a shop the other day and we were just browsing in Amish country. But anyways, she found the sleep mask and I was like, oh, I don't want that on me because if someone's coming to like get me, I want to be able to see them right away. She's like, oh no, I want the sleep mask. I want them just to end it right. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to look at it. So you have given us so many practicals here, so much advice, which is great. But I'm wondering what is one thing that you think we should implement tonight? Mm Something that really helped me and changed the way I look at everything is a bedtime alarm. I've written some books. I'm working on two more books. I can go down rabbit holes like no other. I mean, <laughs> just, you know, and I, I love reading about sleep. I love reading the research. It used to be I'd look up and it was two in the morning and it's just not the way to do it at all. Sleep is so important for our health, physical, mental, like I'd mentioned. I love the bedtime alarm. I mean, because I can get distracted yeah. or if people have told me that it's been helpful when they're watching episodes of their favorite shows or they're binge watching or doing something. It can kind of just a gentle alarm and like it's time to get ready for bed. It's even a good thing with kids. That way you're not the bad guy. Oh, it's time for bed. Let's get ready. It's like, oh, the alarm. The alarm's telling us it's time for bed. And I think adults and children need one positive something during that bedtime routine. For adults I've talked to, people that have taken up knitting at night, sort of at the end of the routine, that breath of just relaxation and aha. And they love that sort of mindless thing. I've had people say that they just, they'll sit and give themselves 15 minutes of a jigsaw puzzle. 
in low light and it's relaxing and calming. I do like the name three things. You ask your child or write it down yourself. Ask yourself, what are three good things that happened today? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it just puts you in a different sort of, it's a mindset of being grateful and serene and relaxed and just happy. And I think we're more likely to fight bedtime. Anything that reduces bedtime resistance is good. So if it's something where you're pampering yourself or your child, need a little bit of lavender, just something that you look forward to. So bedtime's not a grudge. And just realizing if a good bedtime and that night of sleep just leads to a wonderful day. Yeah. I think that for me, when I wake up in the morning, I'm so looking forward to coffee. Like I go to bed sometimes Uh thinking like, oh, I can't wait to drink my coffee in the morning. Yes. So I'm like, what could I put into place in the evening that I look forward to? And I will say I used to read nonfiction in the evening, mm-hmm. I like I read whatever in the evenings, but I sure. would sometimes read nonfiction. And then I felt like my brain wouldn't turn off. So now I kind of leave the evening right before bedtime to read fluff and or thrillers, something, yes. which maybe you shouldn't read thrillers either, but just something that <laughs> I not ruminate on like, oh, I want to improve this about myself or oh, any type of nonfiction. I feel like sometimes it'll spiral me. So I think it's good to just kind of chill out at night. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like the whole distracting part. I think sometimes people People say, oh, well, I lie in bed and I start deep breathing, but then I start. It's that mind racing thing that can be so challenging and everything we can do earlier in the day to alleviate that. Like I said, that list writing. But I think distractions at bedtime have been something sort of not explored enough. I mean, I think for some people, it's just wonderful to have that distraction. And you can listen to bedtime stories on your phone and they'll cut off after a certain time. I mean, I get in trouble with fiction and I get into a page turner. If I had it recommended to me, short stories are good because you can get engrossed, but it's going to be over how many pages. (laughs) That way you're sort of limited and you won't be tempted with that page turner. So I always say not engaging, not fiction or your high school physics book. Well, Terry, again, there was so much here for listeners to implement tonight and in the future. So where can listeners connect with you if they want to hear more from you, read your previous books, where can they find you? A lot of great information is at bettersleep.org. That's the Better Sleep Council. It's a great source of information about sleep and all things related. And my website is terrycrawleyrn.com. And I think the American Academy of Sleep Medicine has some great things for the public information and resources for people of all ages. A lot of good things there. So get out there and during the day when everyone has a lot of energy, talk about the importance of sleep. Start the conversation with children. There's a lot of fascinating facts about them to get the talk going because it's the younger we can get good sleep habits and our children adopting those, their lives will be healthier and better for sure. Quality of life. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap up this conversation, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every guest. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? And this doesn't have to do with sleep. Anything that's had a profound impact on you? I would say Matthew Walker is fabulous. His book, Why We Sleep, is one of the best books I've read. Dr. William DeMent really is considered the father of sleep medicine from Stanford. And he has a book, it's an older book called The Promise of Sleep, and it's fabulous. And I read that early in my career, and it was incredibly inspiring. So I highly recommend that book, as well as Dr. Walker's. Yeah, absolutely. All right. My last question for you is, what is something that you can't stop talking about outside of sleep? What is something you can't stop talking about? 
Actually, it's exercise. As I get older, I just think the more active we stay, obviously, the better we are. And the more active we are, the better we sleep, the better we sleep, the more active we are. So I love that relationship. And I think it just keeps us all young and feeling good when we're active and do as much as we can from an exercise standpoint. Question here at the end. So is there a correlation of exercising right before bed, not helping you to calm down? Is that a good or bad thing? Okay. For years, this has been a thing that I have been trying to get a straight answer out about because I've had so many people say they can't get exercise in because they can't get up at 5 a.m. and hit the gym or 6 a.m. and hit the gym, kids, jobs, and all this stuff. And they give up on having that component of a healthy lifestyle. And it has just been frustrating because the new research shows evening exercise can be fabulous. We all have a little bit different in terms of our leanings toward morning larks, where some of us are late night people, some of us are early risers, et cetera. Find that sweet spot and start. I mean, baby steps are fabulous. A 10-minute walk will help enhance your sleep quality that following night. The better you sleep, the next day you're more likely to do it again or do more. And it's a wonderful cycle of life. And I think people will feel better and really have fewer health problems, mental and physical, when they get into that groove and see how easy it is. I mean, weight loss goals. I work with so many people that are struggling with weight. Then my question is, do you get sleep? It's LOL. Who has time for that? And yeah. I, I just pull my hair out. And I say, if you just prioritize sleep, you have no idea how much easier mm-hmm. healthy weight management is. And it is so much easier. We just have to get that in people's heads. And for so long, we've had a bad attitude about sleep. We've equated getting sufficient sleep with being weak, lazy, unmotivated, or without the work ethic. And we really have. And a lot of people, if you drill down, On some level, they think that, and on some level, they think they're stronger, better, Mm -hmm. more driven, more ambitious Mm -hmm. if they skimp on sleep. And it's simply the opposite is true. Uh, I definitely have, through Matthew Walker and Dr. Andrew Huberman's podcast, heard that sleep makes you more creative. It makes you more of a go-getter because you're actually resting your brain, getting those deep cycles of sleep and rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I used to, I used to be one of those people like I'll sleep when I'm dead. And it's like, oh, well, you're right. probably going to die sooner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, they cut sleep hours to have more waking hours to get more done. And that's the wrong formula. We do more and we do it better when we have sufficient sleep. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining us. Us and sharing all of your knowledge with us about sleep. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Diane. It was a pleasure meeting you. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.